0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that still happen today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey everyone, and welcome to OzPol SnackPod, the podcast that is kind of like bacon, in that it definitely contravenes Jewish law.
1: That's right, we're the podcast that brings you bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side of crispy memes, and we are also the official podcast of the Not Good Enough podcast. My name is Zach Lesnack, and with me as always is friend, confidant, and member of my inner sanctum.
0: It's me, Noon. Hey, it's nice to be back, Zach.
1: It's a pleasure. And actually, i got a Facebook memory the other day um, the, of a comment that I left on a post of yours back in 2009. I yeah, it's it was. always a bad thing. Usually. In this case, it was actually quite pleasant because oh, I yeah? made a joke about you being part of my inner sanctum. And I was like, uh, oh. it right. I didn't realize that I had been making the same fucking joke for more than 10 years. Um, we really have just been the same it's true. assholes for a long time. <laughs>
0: Uh, but apparently some people like it, including our two new patrons, Anthony and Wolfgang. Uh, thank you both so much for signing up. And listeners, if you like the show and want to support us with dollars, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash And for $1 a month, you get a monthly bonus episode, access to our Discord, and other cool things at higher tiers of donation.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Anthony and Wolfgang. Kind of sounds like a... I don't know, like a neo folk duo or something? Yeah, can...
0: absolutely, like a Simon and Garfunkel but Yeah. Um Yeah, but pretty like day. electric guitar. Yeah. I oh, yeah,
1: I get I can see the guitar energy. Uh we're also in the midst of a review drive. We're trying to get to 100 reviews over on Apple Podcasts. We are up to 96. So we need only a couple more noon, possibly it's like
0: about a handful.
1: A hand, rough, roughly a handful more a smattering more of reviews to get to 100 which would be very very exciting for us. Uh, so if you haven't done that yet please go over uh, to Apple Podcasts uh, the, our, our page on Apple Podcasts and uh, help us out there. Noon is it time to get into our first story this week? Yeah Let's do it you brought for us this week
0: so we've actually got two what i would describe as unmitigated positivity corners these are just oh, wow. good shit yeah um uh the first one i discovered completely accidentally because it was in the middle of a completely unrelated guardian article about covid um but i'll just read the quote from a nice from surprise that guardian article about covid some breaking environmental news this afternoon santos and murphy oil have abandoned their plans to drill for oil in the great australian bike BP, hey. Chevron, and the Norwegian oil giant Equinor had already scrapped their drilling plans. Santos and Murphy Oil's exit means Bite Petroleum is the only company that still intends to drill in the Bite. However, its most recent plans were knocked back by the regulator earlier this year. So. That's great news. Yeah, it's sick for a variety of reasons. Most obvious one being like oil is a climate disaster, but also there's a lot of very sensitive and endangered marine life in the Bite. Mm. Multiple types of whales, great white sharks, sea lions, sea eagles, albatrosses extremely cool shit that we would prefer not to and like leave all these the big wildlife alone we need the big wildlife i like whales i like albatross totally also whales hate noise so like even if we manage to not spill a whole lot of oil into the sea which there's like a zero chance of that not happening but mm. even if we did that it would still fuck the whales up real bad so this is yeah really yeah. good news but now onto the it's actual pos- whales out of it yeah <laughs> You don't have to nuke anything, it turns out. But um, the the Corner 2, which was sort of the main one, um, is about independent assessments of the NDIS, which is something we've talked about before, uh, but they are not going ahead. Um, So essentially, these independent assessments would mean that people with disabilities who are trying to access the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, um, they would not be able to use evidence from their own medical professionals to prove that they're disabled, and instead government doctors and social workers or whatever would come to their house and watch them make a cup of tea to decide if they're and based on that if they're disabled, which is like not a joke. Literally, like make them watch a uh, sorry, watch them make a cup of tea is like one of the assessment criteria. Um,
1: yeah, very very normal. Come into your house, s- stuff.
0: Six random from the NDIS here doctors. I can just yeah whatever, yeah yeah <sighs> terrifying. Um, very positive then, experience. Yeah, that's right. Um and. There's been a lot of pushback against this plan, as we've discussed before. You've been covering it quite a bit, Zach, and obviously I have an interest in it because on NDIS, Um, but last week, Linda Reynolds, who's the minister for the NDIS, said, I can absolutely confirm that we agreed with the Independent Advisory Council's recommendation that the independent assessments in their current form will not not proceed. So, are independent assessments as we currently understand them dead? Yes, they are. So, I'm just going to repeat that as we currently understand them, which, um, I'll come back to in a minute. Um,
1: but yeah. because they I've been sort of like pussyfooting around mm. on this for, for the last few months when Linda Reynolds took over from Stuart Robert, yeah. it was kind of like, Oh no, we're, we're not bringing them in now. We're going to delay them and do more mm-hmm. community consultation. But then people were like, well, you've actually already paid a whole bunch of the people you were going to hire to yes. do these assessments. So how yeah. can we trust that they're not going ahead? This is stronger language than I've seen her use before. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But I get the feeling that there's a butt coming. A big stinky butt.
0: Well, that's right. Yeah. So so Bill Shorten who's the opposition uh like spokesperson for like would be minister Sorry, for NDIS. <laughs> Bill Shitshoden? Is that what you're looking for? Oh,
1: he's the epic based bacon minister. Yeah, 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 no. I know that guy.
0: Yeah um minister for dabbing um and and, yeah he's been like obviously this is his like portfolio but he's been talking about this a bunch and i just spent this morning reading a bunch of statements that he's released over the last few months telling us what we all know as you exactly said zach and as i love to point out on the show repeatedly is that community consultation is total bullshit and the governments decide Mm. what outcomes they want before they design the consultation process Mm. um and he actually claims he got a quote leaked communications and engagement strategy from the National Disability Insurance Agency, which outlines in detail their plan to announce a legislation date in late August and to combat any backlash from the disability community through an extensive multimedia spin campaign. Um, Wow. He also also said that's quite a a leak. Yeah, that's quite a leak. That's quite an accusation. It sounds
1: very, very plausible. Sure. I'm kind of surprised to hear something so tangible coming out of right. Mr. Dabing's. So, so
0: mouth. I think this was actually in May um, that this that he said this. So this isn't right. in the last couple of days. I, I will say something gotcha. that he said okay. just recently, but yeah, this is so. Who knows, right? Like, is uh, well, I'll, I'll read a bit more. Soon. He says the leaked strategy uh, to help Minister Reynolds execute her plan to force independent assessments onto NDIS participants concedes people with disability have demonstrated strong orchestrated opposition to them. Goes on to state that there are ongoing risks if the agency is not seen to have made changes in response to concerns raised in the consultation. The documents reveal the Morrison government plans to roll out a marketing campaign titled We Did, which will form the basis of its pretense that it listened and acted on participant and sector concerns.
1: The documents oh, wow. detail an
0: extensive and targeted government campaign to tackle opposition from the disability sector to the proposed changes. <laughs> so, That's
1: the most fucking what liberal the- government thing that I've ever we heard. We Did? We but- Did? They're planning. They've they've planned the marketing campaign before they've even for the backlash, the consultation, for the consultation
0: yeah. that they're going to get the backlash to. I know. Oh my god! And wow, like, that's amazing. That's some literal four D chess, which is amazing when you consider how chunky all of the policies that they have for actually doing anything are. like. Well, it's clear where all the energy's going. Right, it's not right. into fucking policy
1: development. It's into sloganeering. We Jesus did. Christ. It was so bad. How like, many hundreds of thousands of dollars do you think they State paid? governments,
0: please hire OzPulseNetCorp for your marketing team. We will do a much better job for much cheaper. Uh, we will mercilessly tease you while we do it, but, you know. Um, we will! <laughs> we- yeah. So, yeah. And as as I mentioned, uh, Linda Reynolds referred to indesess- independent assessments, as we currently understand them, are dead, which sounds like exactly the kind of thing that you would say if you were, oh, I don't know, about to announce the same policy in about a month or two and be like, oh, yes, we listened. This is a totally different version of the same thing. Right? Um, yeah. Um, and extremely relevant to the something that bill shorten has said in the last couple of days is and you kind of alluded to this uh, as well zach that the hundreds of millions of dollars of contracts for companies to do these independent assessments haven't been scrapped mm. yet um mm. that the, they were signed like three days after the consultation finished which is like not long enough to pretend that you've done the stats on it basically yes. um yes but now that the thing has been cancelled. The contracts haven't been cancelled yet. So Bill Shorten is raising concerns that the contracts may include a poison pill clause, which um, Melbourneian listeners might remember from the East-West Link debacle, which was basically the Liberal government really wanted the road built. And there was an election where everyone basically voted, we don't want the road. And so in response, the Liberal government put a clause in the contract being like, but we'll pay you a lot if we don't get this road built, right? So it's, yes. um, Shorten thinks there might be AKA something- AKA st- strong economic management. Exactly. Yes, that's right. Strong and stable, dynamic and agile. Um, but yeah, so like, obviously that's super sus, especially given this we did listening- anti-backlash anti anti thing campaign we will have done say that we did yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so like it again looks awfully like what someone would do if they are still going to implement basically the same policy in two or three months but maybe put a different name on it and they don't want to do the 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 contract seeking again Mm. so you know
1: i think this is the second time that we've had a positivity corner which is they're not doing independent assessments anymore, but actually it looks like they probably <laughs> they might will be. still do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> independent uh, assessments. Look,
0: no, I, th- I I did say at the top there were unassailable positivity corners, and I think that is still true. I think this is a really good thing. I think you're right. We haven't seen anything nearly this strong from Linda Reynolds. Yes. Um, if they put through any other kind of policy, it's going to take them fucking ages to get around to it. They've already caved to this pressure once. Um, I think there's yeah. a really good chance that this will stick. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, who, who well, knows i'm being it's... cynical about uh, and drawing these connections about this like sure, August sure. thing these leaks are from a few months ago it's been long enough for the government to have copped the l and dropped the idea but also who knows
1: yes well I, yeah i mean it, i think it's testament to the strength of the activism from you know within the disability community Absolutely. around this issue you know this it's a really big thing to breakthrough to the government on something like this and sort totally. of the, the kind of constant flow of criticism has yeah mm, a, has mm-hmm, really made a difference mm-hmm. even though you know it's, it's very really hard, hard for the government to like admit basically it. say, Yeah, yeah, admit fault. You know, <clears throat> yep. this is them kind of very slowly rolling out um an apology which doesn't look like one. Yeah. Or reversal of
0: policy which doesn't look like one.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. So you know, it's definitely some good news in there. And
0: that well. drilling thing, that's good. Yeah,
1: the drilling's also good. Yeah, the lack of drilling. Lack of drilling. That's good. Lack (laughs) of drilling is good.
0: All right, that's it for post going on.
1: Okay, cool. Thanks for that, Noon. I did not know about that. We did thing. That was fucking
0: pretty (laughs) good. That's basic.
1: Yeah. All right, let's move on now to our First Nations story, which is also going to be a Fasci Australia. Fasci Australia. So this week there was a quote disturbance at park lee prison in western sydney 14 men ended up on the roof of the prison 50 or so uh, were out in the yards fires were lit um and conservative media lost their mind as is customary mm-hmm. uh chemical munitions were used in other words tear gas yep so yeah a pretty serious uh yeah to use to use the media term disturbance uh-huh. now i want to talk a bit about why this disturbance happened Um, And, Noon, I thought maybe you could read out this headline from those stalwart reporters of truth and fact, the Daily Mail. Totally. uh, Owned, owned, of course, by our favourite media mogul, Rupert Murdoch. Got that little highlighted one there for you. Thank you
0: very much, yeah. Wild riot breaks out at Sydney prison with smoke pouring from the roof as shirtless inmates armed with weapons try to clamber out of the inferno.
1: Yeah, and the... Emphasis there is not noons. That's the uh, the Daily it's Mail's Capitals. classic smoke. They, l- they do, yeah. They they have to have at least one all caps word in every headline. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they've been relatively uh, light on the trigger finger on, in this particular headline. Yeah. And so the Daily Mail article itself offers no explanation for why the protest happened uh, and the cat or the disturbance. The cat, but there is this caption. Um, <laughs> on uh they've got several photos uh that were taken mm-hmm. of uh of the disturbance and they have this photo of the men on the uh of of the men that were on the roof and the caption says inmates paraded on the rooftop and played up to photographers as guards tried to assert control over the situation now, noon when you look at that picture what do you see just describe it for me
0: there's uh some guys maybe like a, a dozen Guys, Fourteen um, guys, yes. Fourteen guys, okay, yeah. Um, they're kneeling. Uh, a lot of them have their hands in the air with fists raised. Um, uh, some yeah. of them don't have shirts. So, you see, well, what's that there on the ground? Uh, there's, like, clothing, is it, that they're lying on? Or, like, blankets or something? Uh, yeah, so and, this yeah, picture very definitely.
1: This picture very carefully doesn't show you, but that little pile of clothing in front of them is actually a sign that says BLM that they've spelt out with their
0: shirts. Uh-huh. so basically yeah, the main piece I of see. information. So the, the image is at like right angles to how the message yeah, viewed would Viewed from visible. above or
1: the front, it would be very very clear that that's what's going on there. But the Daily Mail has carefully selected to use pictures that do not wow. show. The fact that this is a BLM protest. I even knew that they'd they, spelt
0: out BLM and didn't put it together with this photo. No,
1: yeah. you wouldn't. And, like, I also love that the Daily Mail article makes all this hay out of the fact that these dudes are shirtless, like, as if, oh, look how aggressive and out of control they are. They took their fucking shirts off because it's the only thing they, they, they had
0: put them on the ground to make this yeah.
1: protest sign. Yeah. For their fucking protest. This was a protest, not a disturbance, not a riot. It's a fucking protest, and it has been disgustingly misrepresented in the yeah. media
0: and, and again see this these f- guys are just sort of kneeling there with their fists in the air there's well, like no, they're they'd...
1: taking a knee and yeah and because blm and being in solidarity their fists in the air because yeah. it's a fucking protest like it's classic protest actions and imagery yeah you know these like the conservative outlets have to bend over backwards to make this look like it isn't a protest and you know, like I said, they don't offer any explanation in the Daily Mail mm-hmm. article for this. I think that they sort of see it as more like a Hollywood version of a prison riot, which sort of just kicks off like for the sure, fun of it. Sure. You know, one person punches another guy, and then suddenly everyone's involved. And it, yeah, you know, it's a prison riot. You know? like in the Simpsons, like in the yeah, or the Fast and Furious. Like you know, it's the same.
0: That seems to be their interpretation. Well, now- you know, prisoners are all violent and irrational, Zach. Which means that not only they're not capable of actually identifying issues and then protesting them also all of the actions they do take that look like that is just random violence stance, yeah, yeah and once they hear a little bit of rock and
1: roll on this on the loudspeaker they start uh, flipping tables can't help it yeah mm-hmm. so prison officials would have you believe that this is drug related um because the yeah. men on the roof asked for buprenorphine which is a, a drug used to manage heroin withdrawal and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. It's part okay. that idea for now. Yep. But this like erasing of the intent of protests by prisoners is definitely a pattern. Mm. Last year at Long Bay Prison, also in New South Wales, uh, protesters spelled out BLM in the prison yard. Corrective Services, New South Wales, which runs the uh, prisons in that state, also said at that protest, there was no indication that it was about racial justice. Like, none except the Except massive. for what they said. Except for, yeah, if you discount what they were telling us, there's no indication. And then, of course, the men who participated in this in this protest at Park Lee Prison were then brutalized and detained by guards. Um, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into the... Context for this protest and, mm-hmm. and try to explore some of the reasons why it happened and I'm, I've tried to break that down in into kind of three general sections so first up, I want to talk about privatization so Parkley is a privately run prison it's one mm-hmm. of only three in New South Wales and it's been operated since 2019 by a company called MTC Broad Spectrum. Does that mean anything to you
0: Yeah broad spectrum there used to be Transfield.
1: Yes. Yeah. Here's a little quote from The Guardian from 2015. beleaguered detention center operator (laughs) Transfield Services will ask its shareholders- (laughs) That's one step below disgraced. (laughs) Yeah, they've cranked it up on the company dial. Will ask its shareholders to approve a change in name and logo to Broad Spectrum after the company's founding family withdrew its permission to use their Transfield brand because of continued controversy over Transfield Services' detention center contracts.
0: Yeah. AKA, they ran, they ran the Manus and Manus Nauru Manus jails. Manus and Nauru, yeah. And, like, NITA or whatever, don't they, I think, as well? Sorry? The Like, the, the like, onshore uh, immigrant detention sites. I think they run some of them. They run a bunch of security things. They also run, yeah, like... Yeah, I,
1: I mean, the way that these, like, those contracts have been sort of passed around reshuffled and the companies continually get absorbed by others makes it kind of hard to keep track of all that stuff yeah. I don't know if Transfield currently runs any detention centres okay. for the government okay. um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they sure. did yeah. Um, yeah they did such a bang up job at <laughs> Madison Nehru that their parent company disowned them and Manis was so thoroughly dismantled that nothing remains of it except a few concrete slabs and the New South Wales liberals were like yeah Hey, uh, Mm -hmm. great job. Take Parkley prison. Privatize that for us. Great. Uh, So Broad Spectrum is called the other half of that company, MTC, which stands for Management and Training Corporation, which is just the most sinister euphemism for we imprison people for profit (laughs) that I can imagine. Um, I just want to read a little quote from their website. MTC is a global leader in corrections, currently operating 28 correctional facilities and detention centres, serving nearly 33,000 men and women in the United States. In the UK, MTC also operates a secure training centre serving more than 200 youth. That, serving. Serving, oh. amazing, right? Oh, I yeah, mean, we're serving them.
0: Oh, wow. Oh
1: yeah, we're, we're we're providing them with a Down-handed crucial
0: service.
1: Knee. yeah. But so... You know, disclaimer: state-run prisons are also fucked. That's sure, know.
0: yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> Not setting up an either-or here, but privately-run prisons do add that extra layer of fuckness that only the profit motive can. It's mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. you know the the, the capitalism, the special. beauty of capital. Yeah, yeah, th- absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe crass, but there's a certain you know formal beauty to it. So. I want to read this press release from uh, the Community Public Sector Union, CPSU, which is the union that represents prison guards. Mm Park Lee Correctional Centre's most recent riot is proof of New South Wales' privately run prison experiment is failing. As the union warns, lives of prison officers and inmates are at risk as prison management continues to ignore serious safety concerns. As recently as Saturday, the Public Community Sector Union of New South Wales sought an urgent meeting with Governor Paul Baker and Parkley's management amid a spate of officer assaults. In in a July 6th meeting with the governor, the union formally raised concerns of no consistency around welfare calls, money not going into inmates' accounts, lack of handcuffs, and the need for more officer training. And they've got a quote here from more than two years. The CPSU New South Wales has been ringing the alarm bell about safety in Park Lee said Troy Wright assistant branch secretary or ass branch secretary for short of CPSU New South Wales. These warnings, particularly about unsafe conditions for prison officers have been recklessly ignored. So the union literally met with the governor Mm -hmm. two days before this protest happened. Mm. Like, you know, and they've been saying that since, the, since uh, MTC Broad Spectrum took over management of the prison two years ago... they has been, been getting worse like, and
0: worse.
1: Yeah, they've been, as they put it, ringing the alarm bell. Um, let me just take a moment here, though, that while I'm quoting the CPSU mm-hmm. and the New South Wales Ass Branch Secretary, I just also want to say fuck those guys as sure. well. Yep. Um, I listened to an interview with that... Uh, aspirant secretary Troy Wright, who appeared on Two GB on Ray Hadley's show, he's yeah. a, you know he's a Probably fairly stock joke, standard yeah. shock jock, yeah, a rung down from your Alan Jones, but yeah, still he's fairly, a little more local, you know, but hmm. yeah, still fairly influential. Hadley said, "quote I'm concerned about your officers. I'm not as concerned about the inmates. To be perfectly frank, which got no response from Troy Wright later in the show. Hadley says." We're not talking about a procession of choir boys here, referring, obviously, to, to the, the inmates, yeah. And And Wright said, no, we're not. So, you know, just a, a little, a low-key fuck you to the um, CPSU as well, uh, just while I'm uh, bringing them up here. And uh, here's just a little bit of extra background on the privatization of Parkley. So it was first privatized in 2009, and it was the first privatization of, like, a currently operational prison in New South Wales. Uh, And so it was run for, uh, you know, about 10 years by uh, this company called GEO. And I found this Daily Telegraph article from 2009 from Joe Hildebrand, who Mm -hmm. I really, I just, you know, I hate that guy so fucking much. He's just one of the absolute worst centrist commentators that we have in this country. And I was trying to think of something funny to call him. And like Joe Dildo Hands is like a classic one. It makes him sound too cool. It makes him sound like
0: be funded
1: the... parties yeah well or exactly like, or a, like... An
0: edgy anti-hero yeah a well i think it... yeah.
1: or like the, the um you know an edward scissorhands porn parody none yeah. of which is like he deserves the right vibe for him
0: yeah
1: it's no so anyway but he, he sucks anyway um... joe
0: shill the bad yeah you go. <laughs>
1: nice okay so we've got this article this daily telegraph article from 2009 from joe shill the bad the controversial privatization of Parkley Prison has slashed taxpayer-funded overtime for all prison guards by a massive $70,000 a day, plowing $25 million a year back into the public purse. The revelation I for- <laughs> Is that you
0: being like, that's not really how government funding works, but okay. Yeah, but also, <laughs> normally people say you plow money into community investments or you mm. know like the idea of plowing sort of has this implication of you know sowing, and like perhaps <laughs> paying overtime for workers well i might like also the sowing analogy because Sorry, go we're going to be talking about reaping quote. in a second great great
1: um but yes he's not a good writer the revelation for his claims of widespread overtime rorts among prison guards with the overtime bill more than 40 million dollars last year doubled the budgeted amount Yet, only days after the jail was taken over by private prison operator GEO, the government is saving almost $500,000 a week because it has been able to place almost 200 officers from Park Lee elsewhere across the system. Yet, despite this, the Greens have claimed the privatization has caused a staff shortage across the state <laughs> and compromised security.
0: <laughs> wow, we cut two hundred stuff and now the Greens are saying there's a sh- a staff shortage. What? What? Ridiculous. We. I think I also
1: saw you chuckling earlier. Were you laughing at the fact that he's got three different versions of seventy thousand dollars a day? It's like, that's almost five hundred thousand dollars a week. That's almost twenty five million dollars <laughs> a year.
0: No, <laughs> guys, I'm a really serious commentator. I'm laughing at the idea that okay. You're running a business and you need a whole lot of people to do the job, and you're like, "Ah, oh, this is terrible. Um, I'm spending too much on wages," and then you only have one person. You're like, "Wow, I'm saving so much money on wages," but yes, like presumably there exactly... was a reason that you needed all of those other people that you were paying. Like, the, you didn't. Oh no, it was all like, rot It was just rorts, maybe. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the I mean, rot of
1: being employed. Yeah. Like, you know, these people standing around doing nothing just Once sucking. Once we money.
0: stopped adequately dealing with this service, we didn't have to spend as much money on it.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how much money you can save by just drastically Failing understaffing to do something. your job. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, cut to twenty twenty one, and the yeah. the union is like, hey, we don't have nearly enough guards to run this prison. Or handcuffs. It's become really dangerous for everybody involved. Yeah, and like when prisons aren't paying for staff, like. All of this stuff, like, all of this shit that comes after that is getting underfunded. Resources for prisoners are being massively neglected. You know, if they can't afford fucking handcuffs, they're not spending money on educational programs and health services, right? Yeah,
0: totally. So, that's a really good point. That's
1: the first kind of chunk of the answer that I wanted Uh to deal uh with. Privatizations and the massive reduction of resources has made life much harder for prisoners. Secondly, I want to talk about COVID. So... We've talked a bit about this on the show before that mm. you know COVID has this sort of outsized negative effect on uh, incarcerated people. Mm-hmm. We know there's uh, a massively increased risk of infection if COVID does get into a, a prison, which you know I think is fairly self-explanatory. Yeah. But it's a it's a real risk. You know, we had a case in March last year of a guy at a circo detention facility testing positive. There was also that youth detention facility, aka a prison for children, mm-hmm. which went into lockdown in that's August right. last yeah. year when a worker tested positive. And the response, you know, prisons' response to this is they put people in solitary confinement when mm. prisons go prisons go into lockdown. That's what they do. So they had 127 kids in solitary
0: yep.
1: in this prison. So th- that's been happening throughout wow. prisons in the country. Uh, and then, of course, on top of this, you've got the fact that Indigenous people are at higher risk. Uh, and obviously, we've got massive overrepresentation of mm, Indigenous mm-hmm. people within prisons. So there's all these kinds of extra extenuating factors which make COVID, you know, much more dangerous sure. opposition within prison. One of the other major things that COVID has done is that visits have been shut down, right? Mm. Um, and so, on the one hand, you've that's prisoners, you know, only chance for face-to-face contact with family and friends. Yep. So you can imagine the massive emotional and psychological toll that takes yeah but also visiting sessions one of the only ways that incarcerated people can let people know what's happening on the inside like it's an an important conduit of information so suddenly you know we like from the outside we don't have this access to understanding what's what's happening happening yeah one of the other uh, major uh repercussions of shutting down visits and and i'm referring here partially again to this cpsu guy who again you know seems like an asshole but i don't think that is completely wrong sure. so he's he's he says that basically when you shut down visits the drug supply into a prison right. is choked and that creates all sorts of problems as you can imagine you know from here the way that he puts it is of oh, violence increases which like you know, I think you're sort of missing a few steps. There. Totally, yeah, yeah, That yeah. might happen, but there's things that happen in between. But, that, so, I mean, that sounds very plausible to me. Although, I will say, visitors are not the only source of drugs in of prisons, course, Troy. Of course, Troy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but the like, idea, oh, you know... it's terrible
0: for the prisoners, but it's tripled the amount that I'm getting on the side.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Was it, I mean, but I think the, the implication here is that this, like, invalidates the actions of these incarcerated men. Of course, of men, course. Which oh, is...
0: if there's any interest in drugs whatsoever, everything else is just, like, completely not valid.
1: Right. And, you, and you see that in the, you know, the way that the prison has been like, oh, no, 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 it's not a racial justice protest. They just want drugs. Yeah. And immediately it's like, oh, well, the right-wing media just gets to then be like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's a regular prison, right, where they're just asking
0: for their treats they just want to do more crimes yeah
1: yeah exactly so but of course you know this is a health issue prisons should be providing Mm, people mm -hmm. with support if they do have issues with drug dependency if you have very sick people in in a prison with a condition that is very treatable but the prison simply won't get the medicine that those people need how is that not a great reason to protest yeah i think it's a very reasonable thing to protest about
0: and the other thing is like as you said the prison guards are saying these people are asking for... Buprenorphine. Buprenorphine, thanks. I think, yeah. Buprenorphine, yeah. yeah. Um, to manage heroin withdrawal. They're not asking for heroin. And, like, I don't... Like, they're literally asking for medical assistance, you know? Like, yes. What, what yeah. the fuck?
1: Yeah, well, and, you know, family members of the men inside have reported that. Prisoners sick with with withdrawals were begging for relief and being told by guards to shut up or to get their fucking heads kicked in. Of course. But I I think the point you're getting at there, noon, I think, more broadly, is uh, this is a really important reminder from my perspective that drug decriminalization is a very important issue Mm. when it comes to prison abolition, Mm. which is something that Angela Davis talks about. Um, Because, you know, A, you've got the very obvious thing of, like, why are many of these men incarcerated in the first place, yep. and we're talking about drug offenses. But also, there's this sort of rhetorical aspect to it that we've been getting at, which mm. is that you know this writing off of drug users as irredeemable criminals who are yep. responsible for their own suffering. This is a key mechanism used to dehumanize prisoners. Totally. You know, they're, oh, they're, they're not a procession of choir boys. They're asking for drugs. Like this is a fucking this is a health issue. Yeah. Like yep. you know. So. So that's you know the kind of second thing I want to sum up here. The the the, the pandemic is adding all this extra stress to the prison mm-hmm. system, and you know uh, increasing the already existing oppression of incarceration. The prisoners. Uh, a third major point I want to touch on here, and perhaps most obviously, is fucking racism. I mean, it's mm-hmm. literally right there in the protests. Like it was a Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah. And so, I mean, you might have noticed that in this story I have had no quotes from the actual people that this story is about. You know, prisoners are silenced by the state. It's very hard mm-hmm. to get, you know. Uh, uh, it's very hard to speak to them. So we have to look at what their actions tell us. Tell us. Um, and uh, I saw Dr. Chelsea Wattigo, um, formerly of the uh, Wild Black Women podcast, um, and who's an Indigenous academic. She was talking about this protest on Twitter, and she quoted martin luther king jr saying a riot is the language of the unheard which is such a great quote yeah. and very very relevant to this mm-hmm. um so it means you know when it comes to the experience of racism within parkley prison specifically it's a kind of hard thing to research right and this stuff this stuff usually only gets sort of publicly aired out at like inquests into deaths mm-hmm. in custody you know, if five then. years later as we're seeing exactly. every week at the moment yeah right um uh, but i wasn't able to find anything like that. But we do have the words of a man called Raymond Finn, who is an Indigenous activist. And he was at Parkley on the day of the protest. He was there to pick up his son, I'm pretty sure. Um, And he spoke to the ABC about conditions at Parkley. And I've pulled a clip from that interview.
0: And we're very pleased someone is speaking up about the terrible conditions in the prison. There is a constant experience of racism and paternalism.
1: There are lots of people with critical issues including mental health issues and drug addiction issues they don't get any real support just punishment people are suffering especially badly because of the covid restrictions and many haven't been able to see their loved ones for many months so yeah i mean i don't think that we need to go into much detail about how the criminal justice system mm-hmm. is deeply structurally racist uh, in this country. I think that that's something that we've gone into a lot of detail about on this show previously, but um, I want to read from this press release that Raymond Finn put out um, ahead of a press conference that he gave outside of the head office of corrections, New South Wales to Mm -hmm. address the protest. And that's what I'm going to finish the story on because uh, I just think it's a really uh, concise, uh description of the situation so this is what he he put out i need to speak up for those young fellows who were protesting yesterday they were taking brave action to try and highlight the plight of our people who continue to be brutalized by prisons and police yesterday when they climbed up onto the roof the protesters in parkley were clearly taking a stand against the racism of the prison system they spelled out blm black lives matter with sheets they were then assaulted and detained by guards. Guards have been given permission to shoot the inmates, which is disgraceful. So many of our people are filling up the jails. We are the most incarcerated people on the face of the planet. Here in New South Wales, we are more than 25% of people in prison, despite being only 3% of the population. My own children have been constantly harassed and intimidated by police. Police harassment is a big part of the reason why so many young First Nations people are in jail. There are no opportunities for our people. There is no rehabilitation if they are struggling. They just fill up the jails. Parkley is run by a private company, Broad Spectrum NTC. The conditions inside are terrible. People are regularly abused by guards, and with the COVID restrictions, many haven't seen their families for a very long time. This is a private prison, making profit off the misery of our people, and it needs to stop. They need to set our people free. Too many are inside for petty offences. They are safer outside and should be receiving services and opportunities to help get their lives on track. We salute their brave stand yesterday, saying "Black Lives Matter." Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's heavy. But as you said, it's good summary, and yeah, um, thank you for doing that research into this protest. Yeah, shocking that the mainstream coverage hasn't been—I don't know—just yeah, even it's remotely large... attempting to be responsible about it.
1: Yeah, like most of the reporting has, has been pretty disgusting on it. Um, Channel 9 and, and the Daily Mail obviously have been terrible. Um, I don't think The Guardian has done anything uh, major on it, on it at all. Mm-hmm. I could only find mentions of it on their blog, uh, which were referencing, you know, often like the Channel 9 reporting, for example. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that, that um, the ABC, I was very impressed with the coverage that I found. Yeah, um, you sent me a audio clip. Yeah. I think it was from PM and that's where I pulled that clip of Raymond Finn from. So, you know, they spoke to him and they spoke to cool. the Aboriginal Legal Service in New mm-hmm. South Wales. They also spoke to Troy Wright from the CPSU and they had a really good balanced um, coverage of it. So, you know, I'm just mentioning that because I shit on the ABC and they I think it's only fair that I well shout them known. out when yeah. they do fairly decent work. But yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think there's been a real dearth of reporting on this. Mm. So mm-hmm. I think I think it was a really interesting what, what what starts to come out when you pull those threads. Mm, mm. Uh, but time to move yeah. on now, Noon? Yes, right. let's.
0: Hey, man, I've got some more beers. Oh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick. No, come on, we're having another round of Coronas. Yeah, so um, this morning, more than 40% of Australian residents woke up in lockdown with restrictions in New South Wales and Victoria as cases spike and borders closing. Um, and as usual, we're recording a day before we release, so there's not a huge amount of point giving you, like, all the restrictions and all the exact case numbers or whatever, but it's pretty bad. Um, yeah. And- even
1: this morning I sent <clears throat> noon a story being like, oh shit, even more lockdown stuff is happening. Yeah, totally. Most of your notes already. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the joy of being a weekly current affairs podcast. in the Totally. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so as with your story, I'm kind of breaking this down into three bits. So the first one is about, like, lockdowns and mostly about cops. I'm going to talk about welfare and money stuff. And then I'm going to talk about vaccines. Because, um, yeah, as you pointed out the other day, Zach, we haven't sort of sat down and chatted about COVID for quite a while. Um, so that's kind of going to be most of the rest yeah, of the show. Yeah, I
1: think, you know, for like a weekly show, maybe it's good. You, you let the news build up a little bit. That's right. And then and then we can sort of talk about it in aggregate yeah yeah you know if we do it on a week-to-week basis we're just wrong the following week or the following day
0: that's right which is still true now but like we're also you know (laughs) we can be more wrong for a longer period okay so yeah um so first up about uh mostly about sydney new south wales and the cops so yeah in new south wales there's being like about 100 new cases a day which is shocking sydney has had its lockdown extended at least until the end of the month and as you mentioned zach you sent me this breaking thing just an hour before we recorded so very easily things could have changed by the time you listen to this listener um but three local government areas in sydney's west which are fairfield canterbury bankstown and liverpool Uh, people there are banned from leaving their local government area for work unless you're a health or emergency services worker. Um, So, yes, more on that soon. But as you say, Zach, good reminder that you can't rely on us for up-to-date rules. Um, So, yeah, please check the State Health Department website um, and the ABC, who both have up-to-date shit so yes people in sydney can now only leave home uh for the four reasons which we're all familiar with shopping and uh, shopping for essentials uh, medical care and compassion which includes getting vaccinated exercise under limited conditions and work or education that you can't do from home except now the vast majority of people in those three western sydney lgas are excluded from leaving their suburb for mm, work basically yeah um interestingly also uh Browsing in shops is prohibited, which I thought was hilariously unenforceable. Um,
1: Yeah, I've seen a few memes going around about that. How to tell if somebody is browsing?
0: That's right. Um, Shot of Mr. Burns ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Pick one, Grandpa.
0: Yeah. Uh, Get on the ground. Yeah, which um, really is (laughs) what this. You look at more
1: than one brand of something, you're like, that's it. Straight to jail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like. We laugh, but that's kind of true. That's what's happening. Um, The police enforcement of COVID restrictions in New South Wales has been super sus. And by sus, I mean violent and racist. There's been 100 extra cops deployed to this area around Bankstown, Liverpool, to fuck people up for not wearing masks or for yeah, browsing in shops, I guess. Um, and this is, as I mentioned, this, the area in Sydney's west that now has these extra, extra harsh restrictions that mean people can't mm-hmm. leave. Um, And I would not be surprised if there were more than this extra hundred cops sent there in the next week or so, right? Like, we've Mm -hmm. had this hundred extra cops the last week or so. I reckon there might be more coming. Um, And, uh, yeah, if listeners don't know that part of Sydney has a lot of migrant communities, a lot of people of colour. It's generally fairly poor compared to, like, closer to the centre of Sydney. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's pretty easy to see that these restrictions and extra police are being deployed in overtly racist ways so here's from news.com.au Green sender marine Marine faruki said the police operation is a terrible turn of events over policing of multicultural communities is a recipe for disaster the mounted police were never called into avalon or westfield bondi she said on twitter the double standard is there in plain sight oh yeah i don't know if i said that but these extra cops are being deployed including the canine like dog squad and mounted police and like overhead like anti-personnel drone? no i don't think they're anti-personnel drones they're just like uh, overhead drones like spy where and it's like how the fuck is a horse going to help someone put on a mask you know like are they gonna ride down the aisles of coals and like polo style like hit that catsup out of mr burns's hand (laughs) or like are they gonna like put hand sanitizer all over the dogs so when people pat them they sanitize no they're just oh, the going to attack. The more afraid and brutalized people, people are, the, the healthier they are.
1: That's, That's the right. simple mathematics of COVID policing.
0: To go back to this quote, Neha Madock, the uh, National Director of Democracy and Color, described the operation as thinly failed racism. This isn't a public health response, it's explicitly targeting people of color and working class communities in the western suburbs, she said to SBS. Inner city suburbs and the northern beaches have had significant cases, but they have not been harshly policed like this. Uh, which...
1: Yeah, it's just very, very apparent. Yes, like, that's right. <laughs> like thinly, ve- like barely. Is is there? So is there a step below thinly veiled? Like unveiled,
0: And unveiled. It's <laughs>
1: unveiled racism.
0: Uh, it's just you know, uh... there's uh, subliminal, liminal, and superliminal. Yeah, yeah.
1: They've just um, they've ripped the veil right off. It was no, only well, ever made of like you know crepe paper. They're still wearing the a dainty place.
0: surgical mask of pretending they're not racist <laughs> zach because they're deeply shocked and offended that anyone would accuse oh. them of anything even remotely like this um watching
1: their official issue new south wales police pearls
0: yeah uh with the racist slogan colors. printed on the back yeah <laughs> um but uh <laughs> i decided i wouldn't read you any quotes from cops being offended about that listener because you don't need Thank that you in your life us. yeah um but think i can all did imagine did want to talk about something which is uh pretty horrible i don't think it's that graphic really but uh, the, the there was a video posted on twitter a couple days ago uh by someone who i would describe as a covid truther medium to high conspiracy theory vibes and for that yeah. reason as with the cops i will not mention this person's twitter handle uh mm. but they posted 4 minutes of footage of this huge gang of cops like maybe 15 or 20 cops arresting a 12-year-old girl who they then pepper spray, handcuff, tackle, pepper spray again and then push into a paddy wagon and they also like push over and pepper spray and harass her preteen cousins and siblings um yeah. and it's just absolutely fucked uh And it's apparently because she was not wearing a mask in Coles. But as the person filming points out, several of the dozens of police arresting this, again, 12-year-old child, aren't wearing masks while they do it. Um, And literally one guy without a mask turns, she's like, why aren't you wearing a mask? And he's like, where's your mask? And she's like, you're not wearing a mask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah disgusting stuff and i i have zero doubt that it's real footage but as i say the source is super sus um it's clearly not the person who filmed it who's posted it can't say for sure that this happened in the last few days as is implied by the post but i do think that the footage stands on itself and i haven't heard about it being like going around for ages before this and the people in it are like this is for not wearing a mask blah blah blah. so like it's clearly covid related um and it's a disgusting and horrifying example of how casual responses to COVID are not just useless, but also inhumane and criminal. Like, they criminally assaulted a whole bunch of people for the sake of their health, you know, in a yep. way that massively increased the risk of COVID transmission happening. Um, yeah, so that's that's Sydney. And, you know, in Victoria, the, the situation is not quite so bad, uh, but we are in a five-day snap lockdown uh, to deal with a series of cases that have come from new south wales um there's... from
1: the removalist company that is owned by daniel andrews right
0: uh, i m- <laughs> missed that particular conspiracy theory <laughs> no um they seemingly uh and again you know this may not be accurate by the time you're listening but uh I, from what i read they all came from one family who came back from a red zone in new south wales and then broke the quarantine rules.
1: Mm. um it's like, you know, it's not
0: great. It's not good. It's I, not great. i guys, about, you know, pinning
1: responsibility for the spread of this virus on individuals, right. but also, right. like, you know, it's not great.
0: Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, interestingly, according to the ABC, COVID-19 response commander Jerome Weimar, who I think we've talked about his really name before, <laughs> slash his fucking shitty job at doing public transport. Anyway. Jerome Weimar said the Victorian family would not be hit with any penalties as they'd been, quote, forthcoming about their movements. We're not going to pursue any further enforcement action with them, he said. We are not going to throw a book at them. And look, not to praise Jerome Weimar unnecessarily, but I think this is a good opportunity to practice opposing cast for responses to COVID and say, good, even though, as you say, Zach, I'm extraordinarily unimpressed with this family who has probably killed a lot of people or like, I think I mean, responsible. (sighs)
1: Also, I'm fairly certain that I've heard Jerome Weimar say that people will yes. get the book thrown at them later. Sure. <laughs> so I don't know how much praise I... dude really needs. Yeah, no, and I mean, absolutely a no, discussion. fuck him. I think it was Daniel Andrews who was like, oh, you know, if people break the rules, you know, they'll find themselves right, being right. very, very famous. That's the other like, thing is
0: that I don't know if this family is white, but I'm strongly assuming that they are. Um, yeah, because we like, don't know their names because we don't know their names and because they aren't having the book thrown at them and because they were forthcoming about their movements according to Jerome Weimar not saying white people are more forthcoming just like of course he would say that about a white family yeah anyway like that's the annoying thing about this anti carceral thing is that like yeah don't throw these people in jail probably don't give them $10,000 fines but yeah. also what the fuck guys there's a, there's a certain
1: the amount of in, of like personal responsibility needs to be taken here but like look on the other hand we do not know this what this family's story is you know hard borders have created a huge amount of emotional and psychological distress for people not being able to see crook
0: family members or whatever and we don't have government facilities where you can quarantine not for thousands of dollars and also where you're not likely to catch covid if you don't already have it when you go in so like that's like, a very good the, point
1: and, and we, the fact that like they're able to spread the virus as effectively as they have is also down to the complete failure of vaccine rollout and hotel quarantine failure in the first place so again absolutely. it's like you know do like be sensible but also this is 99 percent government fault here you know absolutely
0: absolutely <laughs> Um, So, yeah, that's the uh, racist fucked policing segment of the the COVID news. Um, Great. And next up is the money bit. Um, So, yeah, something that we've touched on regularly throughout the pandemic is about welfare and financial assistance of various sorts um and the government and has, the lack thereof and the lack thereof and the constant changing nature of it um but the mm. government has decided that they now have finally figured out what the whole situation is going to be for everyone forever um they've announced that they'll have payments for people who are locked down for a fortnight or more with increased payments as the lockdown goes on uh but there's a lot of problems with this um do go on then for one thing A lot of people are pointing out that they're increasing these payments and bringing them forward because New South Wales is in a lockdown, Uh, whereas the federal government have tried their damned hardest to avoid giving Victoria a red cent uh, during our lockdown, and the obvious explanation being that Victoria has a Labour government and New South Wales has a Liberal government, so they're like, oh, this is just irresponsible stuff on behalf of the states, and then like, oh no, not Gladys, of course we will have a consistent funding mechanism. Um, With the, um, like, thinly
1: veiled pork barreling. It's not, like, just unveiled pork barreling. Again, unveiled pork, pork barreling. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, like, they're like, yes, we've now got this consistent thing that's the same for everybody. And it's like, well, it's the same for everybody now that New South Wales has it, but it wasn't the same for everybody <laughs> before now. So, yeah. you know, yeah. When Victoria um,
1: was in a much longer and stricter lockdown. Right. For most of last year,
0: yeah. So, for another thing, the payments are arranged in a way that people that mean that the people who need them the most can't access them. And again, this is something we've talked well, about. before. Well, it wouldn't before. be a
1: liberal government welfare <laughs> if policy if they gave welfare if that to the case, people who, needed, the people it. who yeah. needed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no, people who are receiving it do need it, just like the most vulnerable are the ones who get carefully written out. And so, this is from an article by our boy friend confidant and our boy Cam Wilson um who and crikey just, and
1: this is a this is a, oh, yeah. a tangent but please i know I, what
0: you're gonna say but it's fabulous yes we
1: need to give him the shout out for the absolute fucking kill shot that he executed mm-hmm. on shane Warren on twitter recently <laughs> he got shane Warren to retweet a photo of jair bolsonaro the dictator in a hospital Brazil. Bed. Yeah. <laughs> by telling him that it was his uncle who had covid you need to yeah so you know Go and give Cam. Show Some the Cam great the love internet. He, he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this is from an article. your post by but, Cam. Sorry,
0: Noon, go on. This is an entirely serious article about the coronavirus. However, workers who receive income payments already are excluded. Job seeker recipients who have lost work told Crikey they were struggling to make ends meet because they'd immediately lost income but got no additional support from the government. So. Yeah, cool. If you're wealthy, employed, and live in Sydney, you get money to help you survive the pandemic, but if you're poor, on welfare, or in Victoria, you can fuck right off. Um, And, you know, given this breaking news about people in Fairfield and Canterbury and Sydney's West being banned from leaving their suburb, presumably a whole lot of people who are working and on welfare there will now lose basically all of their income because they won't be able to work because the government is implementing racist targeted measures against them that they Mm -hmm. decided not to implement against other wider wealthier suburbs but those people won't get any more fucking money from the government because they're already getting the like couple of dollars a day that centrelink hands out to people right so like Mm. it's a perfect
1: net with no gaps uh-huh. Perfectly trapping people that the government hates in a bubble where they get
0: little to no money. They get no money, can't work, and at the twelve-year-olds are pepper sprayed and put into vans. Like, what the actual? Fuck? All of which is very,
1: very good for stopping the virus, Noon.
0: Yeah, which, as you can tell, look around and so just you know, look at the results. Yeah, we we kind of talked about this with the NDIS thing. Like you can see where they're putting the effort in, right? They're putting the effort into <laughs> avoiding giving poor people money. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get to the policies that they have clearly like just farted onto a piece of paper and then been like Yep, this is the vaccine rollout plan. Here you go, Chief Health Minister. Uh, But Scott Morrison is working tirelessly, day in and day out, to ensure cash handouts to business. So from the ABC, as part of his proposal, he wants businesses that have a turnover between $75,000 and $50 million and lose more than 30% of their turnover in the first fortnight of a lockdown to be eligible for up to $10,000 in weekly payments. Uh... (laughs) So and he brings this up repeatedly. People are like, "Oh yeah, so um what's the situation with the uh, you know, vaccine rollout in Victoria?" and he's like, "We're going to make sure those businesses get these $10,000. They need it to stay open for the economy." Like he's really pushing this. Okay? So, yeah. And just one more little money thing before I get onto the vaccine stuff, I wanted to just mm. mention again, and this is something again we've talked about repeatedly, uh the absolutely shameful and scummy way that the government has treated childcare workers and early childhood educators um they've excluded them from job keeper when that existed um yep. they didn't support the businesses despite explicitly saying out loud that they needed them in order for essential workers to be able to go to work and so on and so forth and yep. you know we know that it's a very heavily woman-dominated industry um the federal government has now that new south wales is in trouble agreed to cover gap fees which is basically the subscription fee for being part of a childcare center and so this yeah. means that parents uh can keep children enrolled in childcare even if they don't go while there's a lockdown so you're not just going to be paying like hundreds and hundreds of dollars to like be on the list yeah. um and so this has been necessary because quote Childcare remains open and there has not been clear guidance from the New South Wales government over who is an essential worker and whether children of other workers should go to their usual care or not, according to the City Morning Herald. So they're basically just like, yeah, they didn't really tell us what's up, so... Yeah, I
1: think that's the other kind of major element that, I don't know if you're going to touch on it later in your segment, but the amount of confusion... In the messaging, not just when it comes to who's mm-hmm. an essential worker or not, mm-hmm. who gets payments or not, mm-hmm. but in terms of what people are allowed to go out and do. Yep. Which vaccine should you take? Right. Like the right. information that, like, the, the way that this government communicates that info is so confusing. And Absolutely. honestly, like, it's really hard. You know, I find it really difficult not to fucking tune out because every time I hear something, I'm like, well, that's, it's going to be contradictory in be a wrong. couple of days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which you know makes it—it's ex- obviously going to make it extremely difficult to have any kind of coherent or effective response to something like this. But this is what happens when you've got a government who's doesn't see their job as actually doing anything tangible.
0: Absolutely, right? yeah, and yes. You know, the I- only uh, thing, as you
1: say, the only thing that Scott Morrison can cop to is giving businesses cash. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's the only thing, the only response that is in any way reasonable that like, he gets to excited this pandemic by as well. Well, yeah, that he can like basically take as like oh yeah politically speaking this is in my ballpark yeah so i can cop to that but like any everything else that basically needs to be done to shut this down it's like well you know it doesn't really align i'm with just my gonna values. fight
0: on this piece of paper and hope that that yeah. works out yeah yeah so um that's the money bit now we're gonna talk about vaccines briefly um and i'm not going to go into detail about the stats of the rollout or whatever it continues slowly in piecemeal and as you said with contradictory stuff all the time you know don't get astrazeneca do get astrazeneca can't get pfizer we've just given 160 school students pfizer uh, now you can get astrazeneca if you don't blame the government if you die it's so on and look just to be clear if you don't
1: get a vaccine you're gonna choke to death just look at this horrible ad we made
0: yeah exactly yeah um uh, but wait I, I don't i don't think i'm eligible for the get the vaccine it's your fault. You're not allowed to leave your house. Uh, go to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, sorry, just to be clear, please don't take out jokes as medical advice. Talk to your GP <laughs> about vaccines. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 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 one ex- one AGP, thing I want to talk you know, about. Maybe you
1: you don't have a your GP.
0: But a, a- Just find a coach. GP. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The government has been making big noise about how soon hundreds of pharmacies, quote, might start giving the AstraZeneca vaccine, quote, soon. Uh, But Uh, you can taste the leadership. (laughs) Yeah, you can. (laughs) You can taste the leadership. I like that. Um, But uh, David Hefferman. (laughs) is Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> just imagining like, you know, Scott Morrison brand energy drinks. You can taste the leadership. It's just full of piss. Um the uh, David Hefman from the New South Wales Guild of Pharmacies said, as it stands, around four thousand pharmacies could start tomorrow. We've been ready for some time. Uh which is just like so indicative of how the government's been managing everything. We talked about this a bit at the time when the like people started buying eight thousand dollar fridges to put doses in and then got like one dose to put in this fridge. <laughs> really sad looking photos. But again. It's all,
1: like it also, like, that's a, uh, just another iteration of, like, Everybody, go out and get vaccinated. It's your fault that we haven't been vaccinated. And people being like, I want the vaccine. I will take <laughs> the vaccine. You've told Where? me you shouldn't take the who? vaccine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're right. It's just huffing and puffing, right? Like, oh, yeah, well, they've got hundreds of pharmacies that might start soon. And meanwhile, there are people who are desperately eager to do whatever they can to stop the fucking pandemic. And then eventually, weeks and weeks later, the government's like, oh, yeah, nah, just fucking, uh, I guess, maybe wear a mask? Unless you're a cop, I guess. Um, but the other, like, newsy news news thing that I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about is about Kevin Rudd. Um, oh, yeah. I very deliberately didn't learn
1: anything about this. Yeah, it's... It, it, there's so many <laughs> annoying elements. I see, the, I see <laughs> Pfizer, I see Kevin Rudd, yeah, I see Deals, and I'm like, I am I'm out. tapping out of this fucking <laughs> yeah. story. Let the so... news cycle pass me by while I lie down and close my eyes forever. But sorry, uh, dude, Wake me violently back up. Shake me awake. And, and put the Kevin Rudd story right into my veins.
0: Yeah. So Scott Morrison announced that Pfizer had agreed to ship a million doses a week for the next year or so. Cool. Uh, and then yeah. it turned out that it was probably, because about a week earlier, Kevin Rudd had called up the head of Pfizer. Um, which is very <laughs> funny. Um, and like... Yeah there's a statement oh, really? from this head of <laughs> Pfizer guy who was like oh yeah i mean like he's uh, I, I i like he said something like so i didn't have the quote here it's not that relevant but he's like um you know most people in the rest of the world don't know the names of former australian prime ministers he just runs a very important think tank and hangs out at the un so you know i didn't think that much about it when he called me uh yeah and then it was fine so it was setting off some doses you know um and of course you know scott morrison is denying it uh, saying it was already in the works and whatever but i think there's something very funny about the former prime minister doing negotiations for the country while the current prime minister doesn't know about it um and the vibe that i get is like when i go into a cafe I was a barista for many years, listeners, and I order a coffee and I can hear them doing it badly or like the milk <laughs> screaming or you can see them doing it badly. And I'm just, I've never done this, but I'm always tempted to ask, like, could I just come around and make myself a coffee? <laughs> it's like that, except with being a government. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. And in neither case,
1: does it make particular sense? I mean, why would you go to a cafe and pay for a coffee when you could just, do it yourself. Well, because I can't <laughs> afford
0: a $20,000 espresso machine and grinder.
1: Likewise, you don't have a very important think tank and hang out at the UN.
0: Exactly, so. yes. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly um, the same thing. It is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, our friend, confidant member of, Round of Sanctum Lewis uh, also pointed out that there was, like, a press release from Kevin Rudd that w- was basically, like, kevin rudd does not want to be affiliated in any way with the vaccine rollout and would have not have done such a bad job and please don't ask him about it because it wasn't him um so yeah
1: yeah the sense i got from the like pieces of information mm-hmm. that i reluctantly Trickled took in about this Twitter. story yeah yeah was that it was like oh kevin rudd got these things and then it was like oh maybe that didn't happen actually after
0: all yeah i mean it's a bit unclear, but the guy from Pfizer seemed to think that that was a big part of it. <laughs> so you know, I think I'm going to give this one to Kevin. Um, all right, okay, all right, yeah. and one up, numbers on the board for K. Rudd. I think I actually now I've praised two former label leaders. I think I'm going to do it again. Oh my god! At some point before the end of the show. So holy, yeah. mo- holy moly! But yeah, so this is that's the end of the news. But, Zach, you wanted to have a bit of a chat about COVID in general. uh, Or not necessarily. Like
1: you've plenty. It's fine. I've got a whole bunch more notes.
0: So we're going to have a chat about COVID in general. Okay.
1: so i thought you were gonna go to me and i was like i don't know
0: no (laughs) no zach was like uh, tie it it all together you know um yeah
1: tie it up in a neat little bow for me
0: yeah chuck a little extra symbolism in there um and you know i said to you when you told me to do that you know i didn't really feel capable of having a strong sort of positive assessment of the covid situation or what our response could be i'm not an epidemiologist or a Logistician, or whatever it is that Jerome Weimar is. Um, But I do think that you and I are well enough informed to offer critiques, and especially political critiques rather than policy critiques, um, which is kind of unfortunate because we're always like, stop doing politics, but like, that's 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 also what we pay attention to, yeah, Uh, or know about, yeah. And, And actually, one policy thing that I do feel reasonably confident about is that we could have built a quarantine facility at some point before now. I'm just putting it out there.
1: Okay. And look, you know I I was thinking about this one. Okay. Yep. yep. You, so you want you want the two cents, here it is. I was thinking about this and uh, you know, the government has already turned completely unrelated facilities into prisons mm-hmm. like They have turned hotels into prisons for Mm -hmm. people in immigration detention, for example. Mm -hmm. I think it's a a much shorter journey from quarantine facility to prison than it is from hotel to prison.
0: Right. So you think building a quarantine facility is essentially just building a prison?
1: I think it's. There's basically a hundred percent likelihood that it would eventually end up housing people in immigration detention. That. Yeah. So, you know. That's probably a fair critique that could be made of that. And the other flip side of that is that, you know, the hotel quarantine has been failing really, really badly here in Australia. But because of very obvious mismanagement and Mm -hmm. bad privatization.
0: Circulating the air and not washing hands and... and well, yeah. it's
1: worked elsewhere. Well, no, its I mean, it's largely an issue about casualized workers not paying mm-hmm. people enough to not need to go and do other work. Other work, getting yeah. Having really poor training because it's been subcontracted out mm-hmm. to basically completely inexperienced people. And, you know, plus, mm-hmm. the, yeah, a whole bunch of human error and stuff in there. Stuff that could be eliminated if it was properly resourced. So, okay, yeah. well,
0: let me rephrase that. We don't have to build a <laughs> quarantine facility, but we should have an effective quarantine facility. And we could have we done should. that- before now and like it, you know it should have was, already existed there are a lot of think pieces exactly there were a lot of think pieces like in the first few months of the pandemic being like we've known about disease for disease a while for now quite a long,
1: i would say a few a few years now yeah disease has yeah been around. we could have got yeah. on that
0: yeah um so anyway i kind- so i've had I've got like a couple of points that I wanted to make, and the first one I've already kind sure. of said, which is that it's almost a tru truism at this point, but most governments still seem to be treating this as a political and economic issue and yes. not a health and safety issue, so yes, that seems silly,
1: yeah, like it's just wild to me and we've said this on the show many times before but they've essentially got a ledger and in one column is money and in the other column is human life and they're like oh you gotta balance the columns you really just gotta balance them and <laughs> i just think yeah it's really laid bare how fucking apparent that equivocation is yeah like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It makes, you, makes me feel a little bit like I'm losing my grip on reality.
0: Is, I think I read a quote from Jennifer Westercott a couple of weeks ago um, from the Business Council, but basically being like, people's lives will be destroyed if they can't go to work. And it's like, no, their lives will be destroyed if they get fucking third degree pneumonia and then die. Like, yes. Yeah. I also think,
1: you know, she's missing a step there as well like the we will destroy (laughs) their lives if they don't go to work (laughs) it was like why okay jennifer why Why do do people have to go to work (laughs) why do people go to work (laughs) is it for the water cooler conversation is it because they love hanging out with their boss for eight plus hours a day Hmm. or is it because they need money to live and if that's the case, then I wonder <laughs> if there's some other way that we can some way give that people we can money, help them to live.
0: Yeah. Nah, it's probably just opening the economy and letting people die. I think that's the only option. Okay, so okay. uh, business—you can one. have money though. To his ten thousand. Oh, ten thousand dollars a week. If businesses cap.
1: don't keep running, people's lives are going to be destroyed because they can't go to work. It's very, <laughs> very it's simple.
0: Basic logic. If we do the consultation now we're gonna get backlash, and then when we implement the policy, we'll have to revert it, and then we'll have to announce a campaign saying that we did do it. It's just basic logic, guys. It's politics one (laughs) oh one. The sad thing is, yes, this is
1: actually the most effective politics being done by anyone on a federal level. That's so embarrassing. We did.
0: Oh my god. Okay. But we did, and we do. The other point about it. Uh, Another point that I wanted to make, which is, like, you know, as I just said, I don't feel that qualified to make a whole lot of positive comments, but the government is. They have experts. They have people whose full-time job it is to figure out how to not have these fuck-ups happen. And yet they spend their time on these we-did bullshits, you know? Like, they've had two years to organize a welfare policy, and instead they change it every time a lockdown happens. And now they're Mm. like, oh, yes, we have this stable thing now that we've decided this is what we want for New South Wales. But, like, how long is that going to last? And, like, JobKeeper should have been retained this whole time, but they're wishy-washy pickle boys who couldn't have a bagel policy at brunch. Like, they just it out and they're like well hopefully the money works i i made sure i farted out the ten thousand dollars bit legibly that should be fine
1: yeah well i think it's it it, it makes it very clear that obviously government this government views yes. it, you know its responsibility is taking care of the economy as opposed to taking care of the well-being of the people in this country and You can get away with that to a certain extent Mm. when you're able to, like, Mm -hmm. give people a decent enough standard of living across the board. And they've sort of gotten away with it for a number of decades now. But we're at the Mm -hmm. point where it's like, oh. This is starting to be an
0: actual issue.
1: This is an issue that you're coming, that, like, you're prioritizing this abstract concept of the economy Mm -hmm. over the Mm -hmm. lives of people. Totally. It's not just that, but they can't actually choose to just... Mm -hmm. emphasize human life over money because they're incapable of it. They're actually too incompetent to govern in a way that is good for the well-being of people. Like, like they literally can't do it.
0: You've almost... Perfectly encapsulated the third point I was going to make, which is okay, that people great. who believe in small government foreclose, which is a fancy word I learned nice. recently, the possibility of formulating effective policy responses to social problems. So, That's foreclose. A very yeah, yeah. <laughs> foreclose. Thing. I really like this word. So, rather than having an option presented to you and then rejecting it, foreclosing is when you sort of define things in such a way that that option can't even be considered in the first place. Mm. And... I like to
1: say that they preclude themselves exactly from being able to have that response. But, exactly, you know, yeah. It's the same, um, you know, one way or the other.
0: Like... Jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> um, yeah. So the yeah. So these are three stories that we talked about today: Carceral policing, uh, failure to support people with welfare, and abdicating responsibility of vaccines. This is the holy trinity of the Liberal Party's response to coronavirus, and yes. their response is the same. The actual, what they actually do is they're same as their response to literally every other problem. Blame and violently attack minorities. ensure welfare is a punishment in itself. Yep. And otherwise do absolutely fucking nothing. And it's what they do when there's an economic issue. It's what they do about climate. It's what they do about upcoming elections, like African gangs, anybody. And yeah. so my final point is, as I kind of alluded to before... Kind of unusually to sing Labour's praises, not because I think they've been even remotely effective whatsoever as an opposition, which they clearly have not been. They are shitting the bed very, quite badly.
1: Very bad. <laughs> yeah, but passively.
0: I think they would have actually done a way better job of managing the whole pandemic at any point throughout this thing. And they have been proposing alternative policies um they aren't allergic to the concept of welfare as we saw during the global financial crisis for instance um Mm -hmm. they don't normally proactively go out of their way to attack and undermine women-dominated industries and then use policy to force women to take on huge amounts of unpaid domestic labor i'm not saying it never happens but it's like not their whole thing unlike the liberal party um and And as I said, yeah, they keep proposing very sensible amendments. Um, For example, the Labour spokesperson for childcare, Amanda Rishworth, brought an amendment that would automatically cover gap fees uh, in any lockdown areas, which the government voted against, and then had to go and get the minister in charge to enact this policy decision, like, manually, right? Um, Rather than have a legislative thing, because they couldn't bring themselves to vote yes to this entirely sensible Labour suggestion. And, like...
1: No, that's great politics. You get, like... You do the thing, <clears throat> like, get the great results, idea. And give you opposition. No, yeah, yeah we're going to steal that <laughs> and shit and, on you for presenting it in the first place.
0: Yeah. But also, you know, the, the way that they have done it is inevitably way more open to abuse, right? Like they could just yeah. get rid of these three local government areas. Like, oh no, no, we're not covering gap chair, gap cover there. Like the minister can decide. Um, so yeah, like I mean, obviously the Labor Party is better than the Liberal Party on essentially every single issue, uh, except. At times, offshore detention, or oh, every single mm. issue that they don't fully agree on, I should say. But you know, I <laughs> never have enough faith in them to think any positive thoughts about them. Really, like they're clearly the lesser of two evils. But like, I never go much further beyond that. But yeah, uh, we're talking yeah, about a
1: very low bar to clear here. But like an I actually think
0: I think they would step over that low bar with some room to spare in this particular case. So that's my extremely oh. qualified conclusion that. The Labour Party would do a less terrible job.
1: I get. I'm not sure that I fully agree because yeah, I think if, if we're Maybe I'm know, being if we hopeful. Do, <laughs> I mean, and I appreciate that. It's nice to see that. <laughs> and I look. I don't think that they are just as bad as the right. Labor right. Rules. That's obviously bullshit. Um, but the like idea that if they were in power, they'd be doing a way better job. Mm. Well, first, you know, as we've acknowledged, they're doing an absolutely dog shit job of being in opposition. So if mm-hmm. we're talking about literally exactly the same party, but just putting them in power, I don't think that they've demonstrated that much to like differentiate well, themselves. But also you have to imagine that the Libs would be in opposition and they are actually very effective in opposition. So that's true. You know, the Labour Party will be operating with, you know, much that more effective yeah, op- yeah. opposition yeah. than the Liberals currently are. Which, you know, so yeah, they're already like, you know, uh bow down and sock to the liberals whenever they get the remotest amount I, of look, I think pushback
0: the, i think the global financial crisis is a good example though um sure. and just in general as i said you know we said that thing about foreclosure people who believe in small government foreclose possibilities and i think that mm. is significantly less of an issue with the labor party at least about things that would be relevant to coronavirus things like prisons things like offshore detention um absolutely not you know like the the labor party has some terrible coal i seriously doubt it the pandemic i think they could have brought themselves to get their asses into at least first gear for a fucking global pandemic um and that is clearly not something that you can say for the, the scott morrison's liberal party yeah i think that's fair There's a little bit of analysis for you there you go Bipartisan shitposting. Who says it it never happens? (laughs) Okay, you've had your fill of
1: us talking shit about the news. Now let's talk shit about something else. Shitpost of of the week. week. What have you got for us, Noon?
0: Complete change of... No, actually, it's not. It's still about fucked cop shit. Uh, so it next is. week is, is, is Splendor in the Grass. Uh, you know, the music festival that's normally held near Byron, uh, it's going to be held uh, in an online virtual reality festival because of COVID uh, called Splendor XR, which apparently it's expanded reality. That's the hip thing now. Uh, and apparently this God. is the first ever fully virtual reality music festival, though, of course, famously Travis Scott performed to 46 million people in Fortnite. Um I read a bunch about this and it looks really sad and depressing. That's my read. Not I mean I play shitty weird computer games that I'm sure other people would feel that if they saw me watch, uh, watching me play. But I just mm. something about going to a poorly rendered simulated version of the campsite that you wish you were doffing at It's just yeah, uh, and also, then watching like, videos the... of artists
1: it's a virtual version of an experience that is like ninety to ninety-five percent shit
0: anyway. Like I was thinking about overpriced, confests.
1: awful food. Yeah, it's not a VR confest though. No, but Splendor like a VR confest dust. would
0: be horrifying. Can you imagine? <laughs> like you have to be like operating at that like sixty percent speed uh, just in order to <laughs> exist. You know, like I can't imagine like uh, so looking up for my computer. Basically, a naked
1: hippie on a bicycle. You know rendered past every 10
0: minutes <laughs> you're right <Yeah. laughs> actually that does sound fun. okay but <laughs> there this shit post of the week goes uh was a layup assist to kate perno um for posting a screenshot of this couple of tweets from mitch Feltcher at mitch fell on twitter uh who said so splendor in the grass is fully vr festival is happening next weekend and wait computer enhance enhance Lemao. what the fuck um, and it's a screenshot of this video that's like a tour around the cool, hip, uh, virtual reality festival that you'll be at, and it's a fucking cop station, uh, that is like a police presence at the festival, uh, with like a little booth that. Uh, anyway, uh, so people another...
1: can't do internet crimes. Exactly. At the festival. Yeah.
0: And Mitch, uh, there's another tweet where he says, Virtual sniffer dog sitting next to my avatar so the VR pigs can strip search me for illegal NFTs. So, it's funny.
1: This is just, this is fucking incredible. I mean, I really want to know the backstory behind it. Like, I want to know if the police, if New South Wales police... I'd say there's a roughly 100% chance that the cops
0: told them to do it.
1: That we need to be in there. But like, on the other hand, it's not hard for me to imagine... The cops just sort of being, like, like, not, you know, just not being involved in this at all. And and Splendor being like, oh, who... there's
0: cops there, right? Let's do that.
1: We, the, but, yeah, the people's, like, imagination is so fucking limited that they can't even imagine a festival without cops at it. Like, it's part of the experience, bro, you know? And your friend gets taken Taking all eight
0: of your pingers while you're queuing up because the cops walk by. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Going to find your buddy after they were discovered doing nangs in the tent, and you have to go and like pick them up. Like that's oh yeah, everybody's favorite bit of Splendor in the grass. <laughs> go into the fucking cop tent. I- Alright. Anyway.
0: That's it. Deep- Let's, uh- a deeply,
1: deeply shit post from Splendor XR. <laughs> I Let's, mean, it's funny because Splendor XR. Extinction Rebellion. Extinction Rebellion. That's, and Extinction Rebellion also love cops.
0: That's true. They love including the cops within their... You know.
1: Which is exactly what Splendor XR has mm-hmm. done as well. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. I smell...
1: I don't know. There's a joke in there somebody, somewhere. Okay. We're going to have somebody to get to it next can... week, though,
0: Zach. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time for the business. Uh, where's the, uh... If you, if you want, want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. But it's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit.
1: It's business. Follow us social media. Uh, my Facebook, housemate, who listens to Instagram and Twitter,
0: irregularly got mad at us that we didn't use the Flight of the Concords. But I, I was we're not really Concords guys, either of us, particularly. It's business.
1: That it's was business my favorite time. Flight of the Concord song. Oh, yeah. When I was any song that talks about socks I, yeah haven't listened to them since then mm. um I'm not and saying that's that the reason yeah i'm not saying that the crappy music that you and i reference is any better mm. it's just it's different it's, different crappy music yeah, it's just our style of crappy you know it's our crappy podcast we mm-hmm. reference the crappy shit that we like yeah follow us on facebook instagram and twitter if you really want to help us out, we are trying to get to 100 reviews over on Apple Podcasts. You can Google us up there, go and leave us a review. We need barely a handful more, just approximately a more. three to five, three between three and five reviews more to get to 100. We would love that. And if you really, really like what we do, of course you can go over to patreoncom pod, Support us for one dollar a month. You get a monthly bonus episode, which this month we're talking about Bob Hawke, CIA oh, yeah. asset or CIA asset
0: cool yeah and uh, we actually did get a review from Beaumore 23 thank you so much 5 stars hurry up and listen the best Australian political news other news and meme review podcast one day they'll figure out memes are a visual format they also talk about puppies 1312 crunch crunch correct Beaumore. thank you hurry up and listen
1: thank you very much Beaumore. okay then right. now
0: it's time for a game uh, you didn't do a pup date last week, did you, Zach? You, we skipped it accidentally.
1: No, I mean, I offered, like, you know, a description of Dante licking peanut butter.
0: You did, that's true. I didn't jars, that. as yeah.
1: like... Yeah, but I didn't offer any Dante news. I'll, I'll offer a little Dante news this week, give you a little Dante update. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. regular listeners will know that my little... was well, not little, but my stocky, chunky, barrely, lab Kelpie cross Dante, who is basically... He's just a complete demon on walks. He's... Just you know, he literally he scares the shit out of people. A woman screamed the other day because yeah. he like you know, he was fully Bucked. in control, don't worry. Yeah. But yeah. you know, he lunged, he lunges at joggers occasionally. Yeah, yeah. And I have you know, I saw it coming from a mile away. You, you know, know I'm what's very happening. Prepared.
0: He knows what's happening. The lady does not know.
1: She she did not, and you know, it's hard to sort of communicate to someone. Don't be worried about this when you're, like, using your entire body to physically restrain yeah. A, yeah. A it's very like, Still scary animal.
0: I've restrained a scary animal millions of times. You'll be fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've literally got a, a fully clean record on Dante actually getting to bite anybody when yep. we're out on a walk together. Anyway. Dante's undergone a lot of training in his time. When we first got him, you couldn't take him down the street because... He would jump and yell at cars and literally everything else. He's now totally fine with cars. He's pretty good with most trucks. Trams Amazing. still make him a bit squirrely. Hmm. But we've done a lot of work to like bring his intensity and aggression level totally. down. And, you know, I'm really proud of all of the work that he's done and that we've helped him do. But on walks, he will still pull 100 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? The opposite of that in dog training language is loose lead walking. You want your yep. dog to be walking next to you so that your loose isn't taught like a fucking bowstring yeah or that you know that cable that slices everybody in half at the beginning of ghost ship we've never been able to crack the loose lead uh-huh. with dante but uh on uh a lazy locked down evening i watched a few youtube videos mm-hmm. trying to get some new suggestions you know trying to get excited again about the idea of like totally new we can Dog try training. yeah yeah I and mean, watch this video from this British guy. Big, big, huge guy with this really thick uh, British accent. Uh, who's like also who has the most adorable like voice that he uses when he talks to dogs. Amazing. Like, oh, the thing you need to understand about dogs is thank you, Sandy. That's very good. Thank you. So what we're trying to do here is uh, <laughs> they're adorable. Basically, yeah. I watched this video took his suggestion, which is essentially walking back and forth with your dog a whole lot in front of your house. Um, so that, you know, every time they start to pull, you kind of turn around and change direction, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that was, ter- that was taught to us by some of the early trainers that we worked with with Dante. A lot of
0: people say it, but it, yeah. a, a lot of these techniques, it's, like, pretty hard to teach them well, and often people have yeah. read an article about them but have never implemented them, and then right. they're like, oh, just do that, you know? And, yeah, anyway.
1: Yeah, Also, well, and what was interesting to me was this technique had been taught to us before yeah. but it hadn't really worked, But the difference was in the way that this dude explained the psychological Mm. intent behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So when it was first taught to us, it was like, okay, if you're walking Dante and he starts to pull, you turn around and walk in the other direction as a correction, right? He started to pull. He's not paying attention to you. So the punishment for that is you don't get to go where you want to go. We're going to walk in the other direction instead. It's like it's a punishment or a correction. Whereas the way that this uh, British guy was uh, explaining it was that... When you constantly change direction, you make it clear to the, the dog, dog.
0: Yeah, it's paying attention. That,
1: well, exactly. So, what you're trying to do is establish a relationship there. So, the dog, it has to pay attention to you to know where the walk is going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to it being a correction, it's like, no, no, no. I'm deciding where the walk is going and you don't have to worry you're coming about along. That. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the, you know, this trainer described it as basically, you know, you take actually like an anxiety off the dog's shoulder. Totally. They, do that. Yeah. they don't have to decide where the walk is going. That's taken care of. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is worry about sniffing and having a good time. But it's exactly the same technique that was shown be- to us before. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the the psychological understanding of it for myself and Holly, as totally. you know, it's a truism that 90% of dog training is training the Training human. the parents, yeah. Uh, and we've found that it's made a huge, huge difference, like almost instantaneously. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm basically taking Dante on loosely walks now. Wow. after like a week. That's and, incredible. You know, he will still jump and snap at, of at course, birds yeah, and yeah. stuff, and it, you know it's not a hundred percent success rate. But like, I would come home from walks with him with with like severe muscle strain in my mm-hmm. lower back from having to constantly like yeah, Be you're resisting. essentially yeah. It's like you're lifting a fucking fifty kilogram weight for an hour. Yeah.
0: yeah. Essentially,
1: you know. And I'd come home and just be like physical pain. Yeah, you know, Holly would come home with her shoulder wrenched or whatever. Mm. And now it's like we go and have a fairly chill time. Come home and there's and, one or two know,
0: little incidents, and you've got to get not him really on co- It's bad. So yeah, that's, that's you great. know
1: that's probably the most major bit of a pop date I've had in a while. So I thought yeah, I'd go like... into a little detail.
0: Thanks, that's adorable, and yeah, I love hearing about people's dog training things. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't what about know. Oh, yeah, he's good. It, um, I. It's funny just hearing you talk about that because, you know, in a lot of ways our dogs have similar issues. But um, mm. uh, Bagel is, like, extremely well behaved as long as there's nothing alarming going on. And so <laughs> yes. the other day I, uh, I went to Dalesford, actually, to visit my old housemate, which was lovely. I got a cafe breakfast and it was a bit too big oh. for me. And I had this, like, <laughs> leftover big breakfast, like, eggs, goat's cheese, toast. Very um, some- luxe. Yeah, it was so good. Oh man, it was it was really good. Um shout out Cliffies in Tailsford. Um uh, but I left it. I came home, you know, put the takeaway thing on my desk and then went out again. And uh had been mistake. No, not at all. He didn't even really? fucking touch it. And he's just oh, so, wow. like Oh wow. I could not leave have the same dog. I could leave <laughs> a raw steak, I reckon, like on the edge of my desk
1: unattended.
0: Wow. I reckon indefinitely. I think I could leave that all day and he wouldn't fucking lick it. Um, That's but like, then, you know, oh look, is that a tiny, tiny pug a kilometre and a half away? I'll just murder it. Time everybody. for me
1: to lose my entire shit. Yeah, yeah.
0: I oh, see, like
1: there is th- this is what I was saying before, it's like we'd put loose lead walking kind of in the too hard basket yeah. for Dante, you know? Because we tried to list stuff and it hadn't worked. And it didn't work. But like, there are things that are like it's ironclad that this will never be achieved. And being yes. able to leave Dante alone with food, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even pretending that we're ever going to be
0: totally. There. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that's just, fair. And like you know, labs as well. But like you know, yeah. a bit. Yeah. Anyway, I I just think it's sort of annoying that Bagel's good behavior disappears <laughs> whenever there's someone I want to show it to. You know, because yeah. that counts as exciting. Yeah. Um, but then when it's like not eating something that no one can see. Very good point. Anyway, all right, we've gone on long enough. Let's finish this up. Let's finish it up. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll
1: catch you next week for more Australian news, politics, and a side of crispy memes. In the meantime, keep on snacking in the free world.
0: Being happy brings healthy heart and
1: beauty, crunch crunch. Yes, it does.